Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome in, guys. Josue Pavone at the Garden, Bobby Manning doing Bobby Manning things, and I am here, done watching the Patriots game because <laughs> why, Father? I have jumped on the Celtics bandwagon. Um, <laughs> welcome aboard. That's, that's crazy that that ended up being the fun game tonight. Oh my God! So I'll let you guys take this away. I've been watching as well, but like, um, why? I mean, you know. Good to hold off the Bulls. They were short. Um, this was almost a loss, but they made clutch plays in the fourth late, played good defense in the fourth late, which is something you can't say of a lot of other games that they've had this year. So they didn't wilt. This was kind yeah. of the opposite. They let it slip <clears throat> away from them a little bit, right. but they made the plays late. So you got to give them credit for that. That was big. That, that was the big way, big the way they closed it. Yeah, you know, I think you just nailed it, John. You know, for Celtics fans out there, I mean, this is progress. It doesn't feel like it. I'm sure it doesn't because you're like, oh, deja vu. Here we go in that fourth quarter. But at least if you compare this win to the others, it was one of the biggest things that I took away from it was that they didn't have to play uphill, you know. Sure, the Bulls hung around. You know, sure, it wasn't comfortable throughout. It was essentially the entire game. But the Celtics stayed ahead. And if not, you know, they were – yeah, they lost the lead for a little bit there in the second half, but then they came right back. And, it, you know, it, it teetered back and forth, but they, they grind this one out. You know, right. they fought for this one in that fourth quarter, you know? Right. It had, the makings, it. it had the makings of a really – of a game that was going to piss you yeah, off, you, right? You, you, yeah, exactly. and that's why I felt like the deja vu. Are down, the Bulls right. are down a ton of players, and this is a game you should have handily. And, um, and you, 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 you know – you're down six, you know, late in the fourth, and you're like, uh-oh, you know, and again, oh, that almost slipped away here for a team that should not have hung with you tonight. So this right. was trending towards one of those get on the, you know, get on the post game and start screaming about what's wrong. How could they lose to this team? So they won it. So good. They won it. Great. You know, with plays from multiple people, Jason Tatum defense. Yeah. Tatum was great with the blocks. Uh, Dennis Schroeder making a nice pass. That's not how Schroeder it was. Schroeder was awesome down Yes, hold on, Bobby. That left-handed layup. That's yeah, how let's keep up Bobby nice and, you know, let's keep it going here. <laughs> Rob Williams making four free throws. You know, oh, like a lot, huge. Like, that's, well, that's what I mean. All exactly, like, John. Like, that's the kind yeah. of experience that these guys need, especially someone like Robert Williams. Something, that's a right? Spot. That's a yeah. huge Can we start spot. with like Rob? Four for four, pressure free throws, and then, you know, to, to pull it out. I, I think, again, it's it's something that uh, that experience, they, they're going to need that. You know, these, these five in particular. I mean, maybe not uh, Schroeder, but, you know, big picture-wise. I think, you know, those those four guys and Williams, Tatum, Brown, 
you know, yeah. they, they need to go through these sort of uh, the, these stretches, you know, down the stretch where they need to come up with socks. You know, that was the one thing I was thinking to myself, like, I didn't think that they would be able to pull it out because I was like, they haven't been able to put together one, two, three stops in a row. And that's exactly what they did in that fourth quarter. I want to get to some of the gripes from this game, but let's start it off positive because it's a win. Rob, Rob was four straight free throws late. He, he was, what, he was. 68% from the line coming into this one. Not a guy I've had a ton of confidence in that spot over the last couple of years here. I think he's officially now 60, or no, that was his first year, 66% on the season. I don't know if that's updated from tonight. Probably not. Um, but huge spot. Just a ginormous pressure situation where this team and him in some regard too haven't been great and he was just right down the middle in those spots the first two kind of bounced around the second two for the win essentially there were just right through uh, so he has certainly improved that you've always liked the shooting stroke that he has John so there's certainly potential for him to be a better free throw shooter than he has been uh, but overall his whole game high post inverted sets uh, give and goes with Brown we're talking Let's Even, say two weeks of his best play of his career, right. like the longest stretch of consistent, awesome play from Rob ever. Right. Like, it's funny, like Rob, like I, I, you know, you know, I love my analogies, but like I made the Neo one where like, he's still discovering he's the one and he doesn't know. And like, he's got all these tools he can unlock. And that another one I always think of is like Will Ferrell in old school when he goes in the trance, you know, during the debate and says all of this stuff he didn't know. Like, I do think if Rob like has these, weird, oh, no, like, you're talking about the, uh, the therapy session. No, 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 no. When he's doing the debate thing. Um, oh, in, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, 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 okay. Gotcha. And he's like, oh, what happened? You know, like, <laughs> Rob has these moments where he does this stuff, and you're like, where did that come from? You know, and, like, even early in the first quarter, he had that little, you know, that he catches a pass, and he's like, okay, dribble, and, like, a little floater in the lane. I'm yeah. like, that's just a that's a crazy right. touch shot and like that's a that that takes a lot of like feel uh and yeah. it's just not something every big can like pull out of their bag i think he's got stuff there he just hasn't really harnessed it you know and he yeah. just you know um so it's a matter of just unlocking some of that stuff but he was great no yeah, i'm glad you mentioned that big, because big passing of, in this one too one of and those, he made great um, passing when he comes up high at that great back door to jalen you mm -hmm. know no, but Great I'm more again. into him going the other way, right? Like putting when he has his uh his, his back to the basket and, and he oh no, rather he has it he's facing the basket and he'll turn, you know. That was driving us crazy a month ago. This time a around little bit. I would say it was the first personal foul where he caught it, gathered himself, and he didn't turn his back to look to make a pass. He went straight up with it and got himself to the free throw line and earned that the hard way. You know, I, I think that was part of his game, his offensive game that was driving me crazy this past month, but he didn't even hesitate in that, in that, uh, in that play on that play, you know, yeah. with, with less than a minute left, left in the game, that's a huge spot. You want to see more of that, you know, from Rob, you know, late in games. And having the bonus there on the Vucevic foul is them going downhill a ton in this game, shooting almost Absolutely. all their first shot ha baskets at the rim. They got away from that a little bit in the second half, but overall they were pretty aggressive in this game going at the smaller Chicago wings, the Bulls are pretty much out all of their defensive wings and certainly they're two uh, good players with size there in Ball and uh, in Levine. So they were missing a ton defensively and the Celtics took advantage of it. They went to the rim time and time again. It was a great game to do the splits with the big men and have the ball in their hands. Uh, so you got a ton out of that. You certainly took it to them early and set a tone in this game. You held the lead for large stretches, like Joe Sway said. They were going to make their run. They shoot 8-13 of for that stretch where they took the lead from three. They were just knocking down everything. Io DeSumo was 
unbelievable. Oh, uh, so yeah, this is a good win. This is a rock solid win, even though you, you're supposed to beat this team and blah, 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 blah. You played well for most of it. You nearly blew it with some key miscues in the fourth, but you got up on your feet. You had that bonus late and you take advantage of a big break there on the foul call and walk out of here without even needing to run a late game set. And they had to get a pair of stops there after that too. A good one on Vucevic. You got a decent look and then you get the follow on DeRozan there. So execution just getting better. A win like the Pacers won a week ago, a win like this one, when you're getting to practice these situations again, again, John, it's great, right? Like, this is where they're stumbling, and it feels like every single night they're getting a chance to practice this. They're not practicing. They're not doing shoot-arounds. It's tough to replicate these situations. So it's great that even against a bad team, you being in these spots over and over again, you'd rather have this than a blowout win over one of these teams. You'd feel better about a blowout and just taking it to them. But we know this team's not They've got to start. They have to start, right, winning some tight, close games. So, yeah, you'll right. take this. You'll take the Pacers for sure. Oh, I had a blowout uh, again, guys. There goes John. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a good point, Bobby, because you that's where you, you face those challenges that you're not going to see every single night. And how you respond, obviously, is a reflection of progress. And I think this is one of those, in particular, fourth quarter, where you can say the Celtics – they survived that, and that's a good thing. You know, obviously that huge run by the Bulls is not ideal, especially when you consider how well this team's been playing defensively. I mean, what, they give up 22 points in the first, like, six, seven minutes of that fourth quarter? I mean, that that wasn't that wasn't what Chicago was able to do throughout the entire game, but you got the sense that they were going to just completely take over. But the Celtics, they fought back, you know. And, of course, Tatum had a lot to do with that. But, um, again, those those three consecutive stops – I, I thought were, were huge, especially when you got guys like Vucevic and, and DeMar DeRozan. When DeRozan was coming downhill and he's, you know, he was lining it up in the second half, you know, and, and so was uh, the, the other shooters as well. And while the Celtics were trying yeah. to stop the bleeding, they were able to execute on the other end, as well, you know, offensively. I'm sure we'll check where DeSumo got drafted by the end of the night and <laughs> see see if they had a shot there. But Well, apparently if you combine the, the – the, two outings against the Celtics. He's like money. I think he's like 15 or 16, I think is the number. Yeah. 15, 15 or 16, or 16 against the Celtics I, this year. That, that's insane. I've never heard of such a thing. I don't <laughs> think guy, so many insane. guys have career shooting games against the Celtics, huh? And guys like him too. We've talked about that. It, he's deep off Chicago's bench. But he's, over, he's a good player. He's had a solid like year. That, that's why I, I do want to, uh, let me, uh, while you guys continue on here, I just want to make one programming note. Patriots game is over if you happen to be joining us just now. Uh, oh, so don't ask if the Bills just scored. This game's still going. 47-17. Game is uh. over. I'll remind everyone, we do have um, a post-game show coming up. Evan Lazar is in Buffalo. He's going to go grab some post-game stuff. My guess is around 11.45. About 30 minutes from now, we'll be jumping up, doing a post-game show. So you can literally probably... This show finishes up. Jump right over to Patriots. If you're interested in a game postmortem and a season postmortem, I got to pay my bills, apparently. I got to pay my light bills. Yeah. You'll be getting it's that a, on the CLNS Media YouTube It's the page. light. Get it's not the, yeah, yeah. So, again, I got to fix my I got to fix my issues here. I'll be right back. It almost dropped uh, 50. But yeah, Jeez. It, it was a bad game, you, man. And we'll, we'll you, talk about all of it. You knew from the first drive. Well, and, and they'll get to it, but. That was horrid. And it allowed me to watch much more Celtics tonight, which was good because this ended up being a game that you had to watch a lot of, another close game throughout. I, yeah, I'm going to – We're switching over, you know. Well, let's, they let's did, keep, but then they went back. Yeah. I 
I, I'm interested to hear actually in the chat what people were watching. I don't know how long people held out hope on the Pats. I was probably like hanging in till halftime, and then the score after halftime, it was it was clearly over at that point. Well, I was cracking up when the when the um, I think the Bills when they scored what was it? I think it was the winner up by what was it thirty three or whatever around this? Uh, was it like a delay or something? Soon as the Pats fans went to the Celtics check on the Celtics, they had just given up the lead and they were down by six. So they're like, oh, here we go. It was like you know early the fourth quarter. Uh, when when um, Ime took that timeout, that was the exact moment most Patriots fans were switching over. Like, oh, here we go. You know? This is the <laughs> so new era of the Pats. Yeah. You can right. get punked and sent home on wild card weekend. I thought I heard, too, that this is the first wild card year for the Pats under Bill, which I guess it is, right? Yeah, they always won the division all those years, and then the year they didn't, they missed the playoffs. So here's life for the, for the immediate future here. The, just a brutal end to that season. But I, I do want to keep keying in on crunch time here because they're down six. It's 3.33 to go. DeRozan hits those free throws. And they call a timeout. And I guess we'll key in on Tatum and his game now. This is probably a good time to take it over because he didn't do much down the stretch. It was more Brown, Rob, and uh, Richardson with some spot makes late. Schroeder, outstanding too. I'll give it to him. Like In terms of shot making and just willing them back into it, when you go down six there, he was the one who started attacking because Tatum – Turnover after a timeout, playing in a crowd, throwing into the backcourt, uh, charging yeah. into a guy named Hill, who I don't really know. I know most of the players in the league. I don't know. That him. was an easy call to make, too. He plowed right into him. On the second chance that Richardson got him, yep. So then from there on, they, they get away from Tatum. Brown's got the ball in his hands. Uh, Schroeder's got the ball in his hands, and it worked from there. Schroeder gets the alley-oop to Rob, his seventh assist. Uh, the nice left-handed layup that was really difficult. And uh, Brown ends up getting a shot on the inbounds after the uh, nice stop that they got blocked out in transition there from Schroeder again. So Schroeder, Rob, Brown making it happen. And Tatum largely disappears down the stretch, at least offensively. Let me ask you guys, you know, there's some cases where Tatum's getting his shots and they're not falling. And we've seen stretches of that. Is he a peer that he's not getting the shots he wants or what's happening? Like, he's... Definitely struggling on the tweeners when he's trying to get to the basket. He doesn't get all the way there and he has to put up some sort of kind of in-between awkward shot. He's not finishing those at all. Uh, He's definitely missing some open looks with his threes. I mean, he had a couple early in the first half, just dead eye looks. He had one from the elbow, you know, from the, you know, uh, well, he had, he had break, all the time to, make, the to break take that. that. He literally was like left, right all day and still doesn't. So the, the stroke's still not, pure pure but is he not getting to his spots where he wants to be to be operating and to you know to be doing the stuff that he wants to do like what's behind a night like this because it looked like he was kind of in a flow early and you're like this could be a good Tatum night but then you look at the box score at halftime and it was six for 15 it felt like he was better than that I was like oh that's not great and then it just kind of you know it continued from there two for nine second half really not able to create much and do much at all offensively in the second half yeah, he no, got to 15 a, really – yeah. No, I was just going to say, he got to 15 really quickly in that first half. And, yeah, I agree with you. You got the sense that he was going to have one of those games where he puts up, you know, 30, 40 points. Felt like it, right? Yeah, it did. But I feel like Chicago made adjustments on defense. I mean, with, with Tatum, you know, we've been saying this throughout, especially the first couple of seasons of his career. He where was seeing like, the doubles again, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, he's seen the doubles and getting out of them quickly. And remember, he used to get, you know, go, run to the corner. Well, he, he stopped doing that, but it's been one of those – you know, take a take a very contested three pointer, or or try to you know plow plow, plow through the lane and, and give up one of those floaters. Or are you gonna, are you going to give up another charge? I, like 
I, I know his mid-range game isn't something that we sort of kept an eye on, but I think that's really what it is. I mean, he's just not comfortable in, or at least the uh, opposing defenses uh, kind of knock him off a bit. And I think that they made uh, they made better adjustments for the second half after they saw that he was approaching 20 points so quickly. Yeah. Second quarter, he was 0 for 6 after that hot and you know, taking a few more jump shots. I think only one shot at the basket after that. Yeah. He more than anyone, I thought, got away from what was working so well, well early, the mismatches and getting downhill against smaller guys. Uh, third yeah. quarter, one look at the basket. Fourth yeah, quarter the qu- in the end. All right, just want to remind everybody about our exclusive wagering partner, Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond bet online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022 new year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today receive your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit just use the promo code clns50 to get started from football basketball hockey boxing ufc your vegas favorite vegas casino games don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available in 2022 bet online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts once again that promo code clns50 to get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit the question is was he able to stay loose um coming out of the game uh or not you know, maybe he went back in and he was cold. Josue, was he was he pedaling? Was he on that bike? Was he was he staying loose? The bike watch you... continues. <laughs> Is that was a serious he, question? Was he... <laughs> <laughs> of course he was. Of course he was. And, and you know what, too? Um, I was going to point this out during the group chat, but he wasn't there as long as Tatum usually is. But I think Al was over there for a little bit. Yeah. Al got on the bike? And Everyone's doing quarter. it. Well, it was in the fourth quarter, and I'm thinking maybe Ime wanted him to stay loose just in case. But, of course, he never he never checked back into the game. So, yeah. I think it was one of those. It, in case we go to overtime or in case I need you down the stretch, you know, loosen up a bit. So Is it too much never, biking or is it too much biking back. or not enough biking? Did Al take valuable bike time away from Tatum, and that's why he didn't have a good <laughs> second half? No, I don't think that was it. No? All right. But it did crack me up because as soon as the Southern called a timeout. Stay on it, Josue. That's what we send you down there for. As soon as the Southern called a timeout, though, he jumped off and went to run into the auto. Like, I can't miss any of this. Like, you know, then that's Al. You know, that's the kind of leader he is. But it was just funny to see him uh, him and him and Tatum switch switch roles there uh, with the bike with the bike approach. <laughs> yeah. Al with his best game and well for a month, too. Al absolutely nice to came to life. Came yeah, to did. life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, we'll, we'll get to that. Hey, look who I, else I you got here. Yeah, Sherrod. We will welcome Sherrod. More fun. Yeah, Sherrod, the Patriots pissed me, okay? me off so bad. I jumped on, I jumped yeah, on man. something. Yeah, man. You got us? I got we'll you. We're going to you. I like this camera. Look at this. She's shining right now. Check you out. Hey, I, I'm trying to distract people from the ass kicking that the Patriots got, so I thought I'd just gonna change up my background a little bit here. <laughs> that's, that's why I'm here. I couldn't watch anymore, Sherrod. I, was, I wasn't going to do the show. Because I'm got, doing Patriots later. Now the viewers yeah. feel like they're, they're kicking in the stands with you know that, that's a great that's a great Listen, all all I know is is the, the Patriots. I I I blink and they were down two touchdowns, and then I checked back at halftime and it was the largest deficit that they've ever had in a playoff game in franchise history. So I'm thinking like shit, <laughs> we got to do something different for the post game so the people will just kind of destroy. Rod, are you near the bike right now? <laughs> he kind of is. Uh, He's not too far. I'm not too far from the bike. I think the bike is, is has been put away for the night. All right. Uh, I don't want anyone. I can use the bike that. right now. 
I could use the bike right about now, man. <laughs> yeah, this was a weird game. Yeah, they're gonna, start, they're gonna they're gonna get the bike lock for it. Sherrod, what are your thoughts? Because like I said, is undermanned Chicago Celtics looked like they were about to blow it, and then pulled it together late, which we haven't seen much of. But you're right, kind of a weird game. What what was what this was your was, take to, to, your takeaway? This, this was one of those games where if you're the Celtics, you really should have two takeaways from this game that you need to really hold on to. First of all, you won the game. That should be the big takeaway for you. Second, Chicago gave you the blueprint of what's supposed to happen when you got men out. Uh, they absolutely fought tooth and nail to the very end. And they've got like more than half of their regular rotation is out for this game. And yet they literally had this game won. I, I wanted to uh, just, I don't know if you guys saw, but before the game, Billy Donovan talked about just kind of looking up and looking ahead to this game. And he says something, and I wrote about this on, on Full Court Press uh, Bulletin.com. He said, we may not have enough tonight, but you want to be able to walk off that court and know you competed at a level and controlled the things you can control. If you are the Boston Celtics, that needs to be put smack yeah, dab in the front of every player's locker room that part. for the rest of the season because that's what you have to do in the days and times that we live in right now. In the oh, NBA. yeah. You, yeah. You can't, you can't – there's so, only so much you can control. That's all you need to worry about because that other stuff, you can't control who goes in and out of health and safety protocol. You can't control who slips on a banana peel on the way to practice and is out for a week. All you can control is the effort that you put forth when you step between those lines. And I thought Chicago – more for the most part did a much better job at that of that tonight than the Boston Celtics did but give the Celtics credit down the stretch they got all the big plays and it wasn't just the Jays I mean Time Lord had timely free throws timely plays defensively got them to win uh Al Horford had maybe the best games he's had probably in a month or so uh you start going down the line and guys did different things here and there but the one thing, again, that, that I, I thought Chicago did a much better job of, which is why they were in the game and, and really were in position to win it, was their effort. Uh, they played, I thought, harder for the most part than the Celtics. The Celtics, great in the last two, two and a half minutes. But overall, I just thought Chicago played a much Second harder, half. game. Second yeah. half, Chicago was better by far. You know, the Celtics built those big early leads, a massive advantage in the paint. I, I You bring up the coaches – is a good spot there, Sherrod, because I found it interesting the way both coaches handled this game. Billy micromanaging things, calling timeouts a ton just to get them set up right. There was even a play where they got blocked, and there was like two seconds left on the shot clock, and they called a timeout to drop a play. You just saw how much he was taking for granted the fact that they were within a possession or two there and the fact that it could slip, and they weren't going to let that distance increase there on a Celtics run. may getting pretty aggressive with it too. And I don't know how you felt about his kind of timeout run stopping this year, but uh, it was the 32nd mark of the third quarter, right? That was the best timeout he's called all year. That was such a Popovich. What was the issue? Well, they, I think they had just given up a basket, and and he's. I think he was sensing that that was the that, that yeah. was going to be the precipitous open of a quarter run. three. But then they were in their offensive; they were running in action. It looked like, and then I, I, there was a. It looked like two, three people were in the same area. It must not just liked how the play looked or something. They yeah. were just disorganized, or it just was. It looked like they were out of sync, and I think he. I, but I, I wasn't sure if anybody knew for sure. It just looked like they were maybe a little out of sorts, and he's like, no, 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 no. I was so happy to see that timeout call because I, because again, when this is a team, we've seen them do this time and time again, where 
you can you can almost sense when they're about to be on the short end of a run. And I, I thought Ime did a good job of nipping that in the bud before it could get going. Uh, th- th- this again, you, you had a team at Chicago in Chicago that really uh, there were stretches where you could clearly tell that they didn't know what the hell they were doing. At one point in the second half, you had all five Chicago Bulls players on one side of the floor. All five. And DeRozan had the ball top of the key, and he looked to his left, and there was no one. And on the other side, all four guys were there. That's the kind of stuff that happens when you have a bunch of guys who aren't used to playing together, now all of a sudden having to play major minutes together. But, again, I go back to the the Celtics did what they needed to do to get the win, but they really need to take a page out of Chicago Bulls' playbook and understand that you need to come with elite effort so that you can compete at times of attrition, which is what they are going through to some extent, and the Bulls certainly to a much larger extent. Damn, is that the final? 47-17, 47-17, is that the final? <laughs> That's what I said. That's what I said. Damn. I was like, they almost put on 50. You know yeah. what, though? It was it was, it was, was this close to surpassing what I thought was going to be the greatest indignity ever suffered by a Patriots team in a playoff game, which was the Super Bowl 20 versus the Bears. I'm dating myself, obviously, but back in 85, it, well, actually the year 86, but the 85 season, 46 to 10. They were down 47 to 10 in this one before that late touchdown. So this close to being surpassed Wait, there. You mean you mean that 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 they actually scored to make it closer? They scored to make it closer. Oh, Damn. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, it was a rough day. I need another rough day for I need another drink. Another it drink. It was Damn. rough. Back to the and you joked about this, John. I, I want to stick on the timeouts for a second and just the coaching here because we, yeah. we haven't talked a ton about this in depth. I, I think you joked earlier <laughs> that Ime should save all his timeouts for the fourth quarter and yeah. just calm, calm, calm with things are spiraling there. Yeah, and so every minute or two, like as soon as – it's like what he did in the third, I would like to see in the fourth sometimes when you start to see it go south early, right. like bang, and then another one. Nope, bang, but yeah. Like almost a one possession slipping off like a 10 or whatever it is there. Yeah, you got to start – don't let it spiral. Be pre- it's it you know uh, ounce of pre- you know uh, ounce of prevention pound of cure sort of thing. Like get out in front of it. If you see something you don't like, they start to like get lazy. You know, uh, you know, jack a three early in the clock with no movement. Nope, don't like it. Timeout. You know. Yeah, and I found it interesting what he said in New York last week about not wanting to micromanage the situations and calling plays and killing the momentum or, you know, however you put it there, essentially what we've come to learn from him is that he's not going to be the one drawing up a play every time out, setting them up in sets. Like he wants us to kind of be free flowing and allow them to create their own structure there. I just wonder if it's too early for them to be able to do that. If they kind of need their handheld a little bit here early on and, it felt like it shifted a little bit toward being more of a micromanager here in this one. Uh, you know, even on the baseline out of bounds play there, Schroeder to Brown, I don't know if that was kind of uh, just something that the players came up with there on the spot or something that, you know, Ime kind of signaled there. Yeah, you know, I just felt more of like his hand being placed over this game to prevent them from blowing it in the second half. That's a good thing. That's a very good thing, uh, particularly against a team like the Chicago Bulls tonight who are so undermanned and just so ripe to get that ass lit. Uh, and and you, you, got, you have to get these wins. Uh, mm-hmm. Every game matters, but these games really matter, not only in terms of improving your win-loss record, but also just kind of giving some of these guys confidence. I thought Peyton Pritchard had a good game. 
Uh, I, I thought he did a lot of really good things out there, not just shot making. I know he had the one three ball that he hit that put them up four when, when they had just had the one point lead. But I just thought that his confidence, his confidence overall looked on a different He takes level. some tough and shots. Well, he, he takes tough shots, and I, I don't, I'm not as consumed about whether he makes them or not. I just want him to get comfortable taking those yeah. shots, and it seems that he's trending in the right direction in, in, in regards to that. Uh, and, 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 again, this was, uh, again, Celtics, they did a lot of great things down the stretch. I just wish that they could figure out a way to bring that elite level of competition uh, in the face of attrition the way these Chicago Bulls did. Because the Bulls, when you look at their roster and you look at just who they had available and who they didn't, they should have got that ass whooped by 20. This should have been a 20-point loss. Uh, but I don't blame it so much necessarily on what the Celtics didn't do, but I blame it more on the fact that Chicago came ready to compete, and they weren't just giving lip service. And, and, and again, I, I read you that quote from Billy Donovan before the game. Clearly, the message that he sent to his guys was that, I don't really give a damn whether we win or lost, but you damn well better compete. I don't know if that message is getting through in, that other, in the green team's locker room. I don't know if they're hearing that. I don't know if they're feeling that. We may not win or lose a game, but, damn, we need to at least be ready to compete from beginning to end because we don't see that. We just don't see that. And I think that's a big reason why Ime didn't sort of bail these guys out, right? He didn't go deep into his bench. He didn't go, you know, pull the guys when he didn't like what they were having. He's like, no, you guys need to figure this out in that fourth quarter, you know? And and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that a lot of what Sherrod just said, you know, a lot of the all-stars on this team weren't available. You know, guys were out for the Chicago Bulls and – here you are, yeah. You held a, a lead steady throughout the first three, three quarters or so, but it still wasn't comfortable enough for you to hold on to it, right? I mean, they had to really fight, and he may wanted them to fight. I feel like you know, especially in the last three minutes. Okay, here you go. It's a two possession game. You're down by six. How are you going to handle this? Because it's going to take you two, three consecutive stops just to even give yourself a fighting chance. And the Celtics did that and, and more. And, and someone like yeah. Robert Williams. You know, going four for four from the free throw line with the, with all that pressure and, and this crowd and, behind him. I, and I you think see how those three you see how those free throws looked a lot better after the first the first two hit Dan in every part of the rim, and then yeah. when it, and the second two all net. So yep. clearly, you know, four in a row from a guy who's been really shaky in his career is pretty impressive. You could see how happy he was too when he nailed that. when that second one went. When he nailed that second one, he was yep. like, oh, you know, like, oh, got it. You know, like, he knew it was a big moment. He really wanted to hit him, you know, and for splash, splash, good-looking stroke, nothing but net on those on those two that gave him those the lead are, and the uh, eventual difference. Yeah. Well, you know I what can I think only that imagine is, how many he's taken. Yeah. I think that's Robert saying, I do this all day in practice. Now I did it here. Let's go. You know what I mean? Like, I knew I could do it, you know? Again, <laughs> like he's, he's just, like just a, like a release, like, let's go, but like, you know? You see, yeah. you see bigs with funky releases and like, you know, you see them fighting the ball, even Giannis, like the amount of focus and concentration it <laughs> took for him, you know, to get free throws. He knows like, I don't feel right here and I'm trying to get it, but like mm-hmm. Rob actually looks kind of smooth, you know, like I, I think it's in there, you know, it's just, he was just born to play this game. Yeah. Like everything's like everything's preset for him to be a great player. It's just there. And and he's just gotta fine tune it, become consistent, healthy, and like work around the edges. Like cause the leaping ability, the the outstanding Dude, it's length. It's gotten silly, right? And like can we, you know, can we go back? It's obvious again, in the beginning of the year when we were saying like Rob doesn't look right, I mean 
do we do see the obvious difference now, right? When he's clearly got his legs under him, he did not at the beginning of the year. He I'd is say jumping a difference, yeah, a monster yeah. difference. He's jumping and the ball's over here, and he's catching. He he's throw. It doesn't he's been getting matter. that one hand down. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you throw it. He's catching it behind him, to the side, to the left, with left hand. It doesn't matter. It's literally automatic right now. It's it's it really is something most people cannot do. You can basically put that ball up there anywhere, and he's going to go get it. It's it's unreal right now. Right, and that's again just the thing that comes natural to him. That's not even you know. I mean, he has so many things you think he might be able to develop. You know. And we're Sorry, not even Sherrod. talking about yeah, and we're not even talking about when he's you know when he's not playing above the rim. I mean, six dimes from your center. Love uh, it. And and again, that's he's he's just such I, the potential for him to be a complete all around player is so apparent. I mean, you look at Vucevic tonight, and we talk about some of the bigs in the East. Obviously, Joel Embiid is at the head of the table clearly, but then you look at Vucevic, you you look at Sabonis in in, in Indiana, and and you look at where Rob's at, and He's younger than all of those guys. And yet, when you look at the skill set, there really isn't this huge – well, Joel Embiid is a huge gap between him and everyone. Um, but when you look at the, the passing, the, the scoring, playing above the rim, Rob is trending to being in that conversation with those guys. It's just a matter of him being more consistent and, to be frank and to be candid, getting an opportunity to do what he does well. Uh, I don't think this. I don't think the Celtics and the Jays do as good a job as they can putting him in position to help them be great. Because uh, that's the thing about this team that I, I, that kind of kills me. I think Rob could be such a central figure in making all the guys around him better if you give him that opportunity to be that guy, which I don't think he's getting with any kind of consistency. The passing's so natural too. Like you just give it to him, let him touch the ball, and they're starting to do this earlier in games too. You look at the first five, six possessions of this game, it's kind of Brown, Tatum bouncing between him and the high post there. Just letting him get a touch, a feel so, for again, it. Because he makes such quick decisions. He doesn't need to yeah, read the yes, ball. Exactly. Yeah, The quick bang, decisions, bang. Bobby, right. Yeah, the quick decisions. That That's what the really good playmakers do. They don't spend time lollygagging around. Shit out. They just make the damn play. Oh, so that's the that's the thing is like when we when we um when we talk about it I'm, and I don't I'm not trying to turn it into a referendum of of Jalen and 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 Tatum but we talk about what comes natural to people Rob despite the fact that he's not asked to do it a lot is a natural passer it's clear <laughs> as for the things that you mentioned he makes quick decisions he sees it fast he zips it right there it's usually on the money uh you know it, it, he's got he's got it in him he's, he really makes he makes he finds the lanes his passes don't very often get deflected um and then you see other guys and they're just not you know it's and the timing of it is really everything it's almost like a quarterback you wait a beat too long and you miss your window you know and that's what it is with passing a lot of times too if you don't recognize it or anticipate the opportunity you're not going to make the play and Jalen and Jason are a lot of those times they're driving and then they'll look up and say, is there something to be made as opposed to seeing the whole thing develop as they're going, which is I've got this guy going. And if he comes and if he cheats, I've got the I've got this over here or I've got that over there. You've almost got to, like, see your options. So it isn't natural as much for them. And it really is for Rob. So you do want to see the ball in his hand sometime. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't know if you guys talked about it before, but uh, quick shout out to Jen, Dennis Schroeder for actually looking and playing quarter, sort of kind of like a point guard tonight. Eight assists, only one turnover. I didn't oh, see that coming. I'm glad someone talked. I'm glad someone else brought up Schroeder because I didn't think I was allowed to. 
<laughs> I just wanted to make sure that we we, we had a little bit of. Oh a no, yeah, I didn't. I thought it was okay to talk about him. I thought we could only talk about him when he had bad games. Baby Rondo <laughs> out there. He was good, man. Go I, ahead, he, Bobby. Put up the Schroeder graphic. I know you got one. We're, we're, we're gonna dig for it. It's deep in there. Yeah, he's typing he it out even, right now. He wasn't even gonna put it in there. Let's get the duster even... off. Ready to dust it off. He, he he was good though. I mean, obviously he still you know drives me nuts with dribbling the damn ball too much. But he was a little bit quicker in his decision making. I thought to tonight and, and and overall had a much better had one of I think one of his more solid games in terms of not only scoring but also getting his teammates involved. Eight assists, one turnover, a team high plus fourteen. Only not, only nine shots. Yet Bobby still found something negative to tweet about him tonight. In the first half, yeah. <laughs> in the first half, he's like, "Did you see that play?" I'm like, "He almost pitched a perfect game for Dennis Schroeder." You know. Me- like, meanwhile, <laughs> the Patrick Bobby's like, when he gave up two hits, Patrick he's like getting mad at him. And, yeah. and John it's just getting... flips out on the group chat. <laughs> <laughs> it's getting mad at a pitcher for throwing. He didn't the realize. Ball. He didn't yeah. realize there was a string of Pritchard plays. I talked. He about did. He did. He dogged Pritchard earlier, and I missed it. I missed it. That was Pritchard a minus twelve. I put up the Schroeder I... graphic, coward. I fired up a picture graphic. I got no. I got no use for it. Don't He's pretend you didn't hear me earlier. Put that up. <laughs> there's a value no, to Pritchard. Schroeder will there go is. on a string of like I mean, four good games, and then he'll play a crap one on the fifth, and everyone will be like, "Dennis is the problem," and it's gonna go. <laughs> no, if Dennis, he gets traded, that's what everyone's gonna say. If he gets traded, they Dennis, will see. It opened up. It opened up the gates for Pritchard. It's like, ah, eh, not quite. Dennis, a team high. And the minute Pritchard has a bad game, it's gonna be like, oh, we should have got rid of Dennis. This yeah, is what yeah, happened. See, yeah. this is why you keep veterans. <laughs> 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 That's exactly what's gonna happen. Yeah. Yeah, Love it. It's much. great. Love it. When, when you're Sorry, able to get him doing things that help you in a smaller role, nine shots, passing primarily, overshooting, it, it's great. And you see down the crunch time his his ability to get a shot off a tough shot too that left-handed was really the moment of the last four minutes there what sparked the run essentially i thought it does a massive value to it you can't deny it and he's not a complete liability on defense he can play next to smart and he can be a guy who competes on that end and plays hard on that end he has a steal in this one listen I'm tough on him when it's out of control and it's bad. And in this game, it's great almost start to finish. And there's been other games like that this year, too. He has helped them immensely. There's no arguing that. I'm not one of the people on the far end of the spectrum who just think he stinks. If you think he stinks, I don't know what you're thinking. Because this is a guy who can clearly put up 15, 16 in his sleep, uh, pass, dribble, and do all the things you want out of your point guard spot. And they had so few options. I don't know the revisionist history about the offseason. Like they could have gotten someone else or they could have traded for someone. No, this was this was it, right? This was the only guy left on the market. Me and Sherrod were in Vegas. That's the point. Yes. Free agency was over. And you just got this golden option for $5 million. That's the point. Yeah. The point seven. is... It literally saved it, it again. It was a talent deficient team and you added talent. You did not add the perfect player. You know, he is not the perfect player. He is not necessarily the right fit, but it was somebody to come in here and every once in a while do the types of things that he does. That's it. it, it, yeah. it it's not worth having the argument of what he isn't. I, they, if he was more than that, some team would have signed him before the Celtics scooped him off the gra- scrap heap for $5 million, you know? You got that's what you got. You know, right. it's you got an imperfect player who every once in a while 
will drive you friggin' bananas, you know? It but it's is. also something he's that right. they didn't have. He's it's been doing that his did. entire career, right? It's also a weapon that you didn't have last season. And you look at the backcourt, you look at the scoring, the production that we saw last season. Granted, Kemba wasn't Kemba. He was, you know, he was so banged up that he was unreliable. But at least you had someone to sort of make up for that point production, right? And, and, and you know, someone like Schroeder. That's Schroder, the key. Who, who isn't, who well, isn't but, you know. Yeah, you had. He was, he's in the, uh, the traditional point guard and trying to get everyone the ball. But he's going to give you points. He's going to give you offense. Right, and, and you're, always, you're always trying to add talent where you get the most bang for your buck. If you, I mean, if you think about this, I mean, how many guys can you get at the price that you're paying Schroeder who can get you 15, 16, 17 points Seriously, a game? Seriously, in That's today's not, NBA? You know, right, yeah, because yeah. I, I, had a, I had a conversation with Brad Stevens actually before the game, and we, we talked a little bit about the trade deadline coming up, and actually that is also on fullcourtpress.bulletin.com. Uh, and, and Brad, you know, again, the, he, his, his approach is very similar. To, to Danny Ainge's, which is not a surprise to anyone. And, and that gives me the sense that even though Brad wouldn't tip his hand, because no GM at this point tips their hand as what they're looking to do trade deadline-wise, but I get the sense that he's going to follow a pattern that we've seen year in, year out that Danny has done, which is he's going to talk to a lot of people. He's not going to see a deal that feels as though they're going to be, you know, really getting significant bang for their buck, and they're just going to take a pass and try to get something done in the summer. Uh, I, and I think, for, to be honest with you, I, I, I think that of all the different paths that you can take, uh, you're not going to make a deal to become a championship contender this year. So you need to make a decision as to whether you want to develop the young guys like Peyton Pritchard and Neesmith and those guys as far, and develop, meaning play them in real NBA games to get their asses kicked and hopefully they learn from that. Or you just try to ride this thing out with, with, with the guys that you have. Uh, and just see where see where things take off. Give Ime a chance to have the best talent at his disposal uh, as possible to to give him the best chance of of, of winning games. They have to figure out where, where they they're going. What's the sweet spot uh, between now and the trade deadline? But I I would not be shocked if the trade down trade deadline comes and passes and they do little if anything. Whereas come off season they look to do something a little bit more substantial and significant. Well, Dennis is still the one, right? You got to address that somehow. Yeah. If he's still here, you're probably thinking they feel they have some chance to keep him, right? Or do you just play it out? And if you lose him, you lose him. I don't love that idea of that. I guess the cost versus what you're losing there isn't great. At the end of the day, you get a full season of him. And if he moves on, he moves on. I would yeah. like to see some kind of resolution to that, though. You, I just, either, either he's part of the team going forward or he's listen, not. If you're trying to get something of value for Dennis, you know what that is? That's just being freaking greedy because you got him at a ridiculously discounted rate. So for him to leave and you not get anything in return, it's not like you had this huge ass investment investment in him for years. But and if you he, get if if you get two second round picks and uh, you roll your eyes at second round yeah, picks, but it's something fine. you can use. You've given that's up a million of them. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. If you can get something like that, then great, do that. But there shouldn't be this feeling as though gosh you know they're gonna give us two second round picks but damn we gotta take back this contract that has like two years on it after this one of a guy that we don't really like those are the kind of deals that will just make you cringe if you're the Celtics fan because they impact you both in the short and long term and not in a good way the only way I'm moving Dennis is if you're getting either a late first round pick which has some, oh, some conditions, a couple of second first round, round pick. Oh, it's, first it's, round it's pick, dumb. you're like taking, uh, you're yeah. taking the Uber XL to Logan Airport. It's <laughs> that is like. Shit, I'm not even gonna wait. I, I, if I'm, I'm not even waiting for the Uber. I'm gonna put his ass in the car and take him to my dad. <laughs> I'm not waiting for Uber. 
but but reality, if you can't get something of decent value, whether it's a, whether it's a multiple draft picks in the second round or a first round pick, it really doesn't make a ton of sense to move him. Uh, especially if you can figure out ways like this to get him on the floor and get Pritchett some decent. That's my point. Yeah, like I said, is I don't see what you're getting by giving him away for next to nothing. So to me, it's either right, right. If you're getting second round picks, ride it out and stay with the player. Or if you've decided you're going into not quite tank, but stripped down mode, and you want to shed some parts and shed some salaries and play the kids, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna complain about that either. Just make a choice. If you're trying to win games, you're better with Dennis. If you get a first-round pick, you you can't pass up that opportunity. So decide what you want to be. If you're trying to win, you're better keeping them here. Um, right. Th- there's no question about it. Is, path to winning for them is so tricky, though. You feel good about a night like it's, this, and when they here's start the thing. Another, but I don't feel good it, about it tonight. But it comes yeah. down to this: like the 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 circular debate we're going to continue to have is, do the Jays not have enough help, and that's why they're struggling right now, or? do they just simply need to elevate their games? And if they did, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't be pointing to all the other problems as big a problems, which is Jason Tatum's just shooting horribly this year. Jason Tatum is not playing at his best. Is that because he's just having a rough year or is it at at the fault of everyone around him that there's just too much attention going his way? There's all these double teams. There's not enough floor spacers. People don't respect anything else on the team so they can put all their attention, pack the lane. He can't get where he wants to go. You got that MB quote, John, the the book's out on them. The book's out. And it has been since last year. You know, when good, you know, Gooden goes in a locker room, gets those quotes, throws them out there. Everyone calls him a hater, but basically every single, Single team you face says the book's out on them. They're going to ISO. This is before Schroeder got here. The Jays are going to ISO. They're not going to kick it out. They're not going to move it to other people. You don't have to respect anyone else on their team. They're really easy to load up on. It's this slow, deliberate offense. So they're easy to defend. So, yes, the extra attention they're getting in the fact. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you, and you know it, you know, whatever you were there. Um, So, the book's out. Ime says it about. Ime said it when he took the job. We're we're too ISO heavy. We don't pass enough. Our assist rate is really low. I want to change that. You have opponents say it. National media says it. But for some reason, we can't fully acknowledge it. The question is: Is it fixable from within, or do you have to gut the roster and 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 go just get a whole bunch of new stuff, or is it just simply all of a sudden it starts to fall for Tatum, and then you're like, great, you can play. A, you could be an ISO heavy team if your guy if Tatum is scoring like he was, uh, you know, pre bubble and you know, post all-star break that year. When but he's, he's never been a good ISO player. That's never he, been the that way. That year, he yes, it. but he's not. Right. But I mean, when he's. Yeah, but he had when, some heck of a, you know, he had a lot yeah. of different weapons around him. But that's beside the point. I guess what I, what I was going to say is, like, I think when you look at the roster and you think, and you, and you consider what's going on with Ime and his coaching system, and these are systemic changes that are going to take a, take a bit. But I think one of the biggest differences is going to be whether it's the near future or whether Brad's able to put together some sort of trade before the, the deadline is that maybe these guys are going to see the difference when they, when they have better weapons around them and they're going to say, Oh, okay. So this is, you know what I mean? You, you, you enhance those weapons around those guys and then the system stays the same and they're getting better at it. And you're hoping that whatever deals that you can make to enhance this roster is going to be enough to make it a, a championship contender. But I'm not quite sure that happens this year, but whether or not that, you know, that comes to fruition, they have to continue to show that they can make guys around them better. That they can enhance 
players that wouldn't be enhanced elsewhere. And I think that's just something that we still have to figure out that they yeah. can do consistently, you know, regardless of who's and, around them, you know, enhance their, their team. And they haven't even scratched the players. surface of that. They're the but they're not. The and what's and, funny and they're, is, they're supposed to be elevating their game, you know? But what's funny is we're not even asking when, when we talk about like moving the ball and making quicker decisions, no one's actually asking Tatum to get eight to 10 assists a game. They're just simply saying, move the ball more, get into some actions, move off the ball. And when you get the ball back, you'll, you might be in a more advantageous position to score than if the point guard hands it to you at half court, when he crosses half court, and then you set up, you set up and you get really deliberate and everyone clears out and every single, the defense sets and is sitting there waiting for you. They're waiting to double. They're waiting to collapse. There's people that they're packing the paint. That sucks. That offense sucks. So yeah. move, so commit to moving it and moving your body and getting to places. So when you get it back, you're in a better position than ISOing 50 feet away from the basket, which makes no sense to me. That's all people yeah, but, are asking. They're not asking what, them to right, be that, point forwards, right? I think that's what drives us crazy, especially in that first half, right? Look at the second quarter. I, I felt like the Bulls made it, made their adjustments and the Celtics were trying to pick up their offense, which I thought, you know, that, that helped them throughout the first but you're losing something on the defensive end, you know, like this whole like uh, fast break style and up pay, they, when it's when it's rocking, it looks good, which is exactly what we saw in that first quarter throughout that run. And then you see that slippage on the defensive end and then they can't defend in transition. You know, they, they start to uh, they're, they're like a step behind. And maybe that's the result of this being on the second night of a back to back, you know, coming from from the road. But. You know, in that fourth quarter, they showed the mental, the right enough of uh, mental toughness to get through it, to power through and make the right decision. So we know it's there, you know. I, I like yeah. what you both said, to, getting off the ball to get it back to yourself. I think that's a huge part of what they need to do and what they've done when they've been at their best. I mean, Rob threw it, a lob to Tatum in this one. That was unbelievable. Uh, yeah. This was just a great example of what you can do if you're both those players if you get on the ball when they were at their best in this one and just the shot selection of this team early like early early this was it was great to see them shooting a ton in the paint and even if you look at the shot chart you know you pull it up at nba.com for anyone um, this was just all paint touches the threes ramped up a little bit in the second half but early on you weren't shooting many threes you were just doing everything around the paint you know what, one of my fa- it was so beautiful you know what one of my oh. favorite stats that they put on the broadcast tonight was it had nothing to do with the celtics it was the chicago bulls lead the league in three-point uh percentage and bottom of the league in three-pointers attempted Mwah, beautiful do that you know Shoot and that's it. what they did early and it you was know like what? And- five Shoot what? it when it's a good shot. Don't just say everyone's shooting three, so let's shoot fifty. You know? right. No, Chicago. You can you can watch them, watch the guys that they got up there now, and see why they're the best team in the East. The ball movement, guys moving without getting the spots. They're so when you they, take the three, it's a good shot. It's a good shot, exactly. It's literally the best shot that you could get in in that particular. And set that's the antidote to having no shooting. You don't just exactly. keep shooting and shooting and shooting and saying, "Oh, the shots haven't been there all year," like Ema keeps saying. It's like, all right. Look at the roster you have. There's no shooting here. So you're not going to be a team so, that should shoot and, a lot of threes. And that's why you move the ball. Like I it's, it's like you're working for better shots. That's the point of you're it. You're a really good team at the rim. The Rob's hardest percentage, thing, yeah, percentage. The hardest thing to do is to score one on five. Like, why do you opt for that? You you move the ball and you move yourself constantly to get in a better position. And to there score. are teams. Yeah. Listen, you, you gotta shoot threes in today's league. You can't like take ten in a game. You're gonna be at such a big 
disadvantage, but there are teams relative to others who take much less. Miami, you look at what they do. It's it's mid-rangers, it's at the basket, it's cutting, it's all that different kind of thing. Chicago, look at DeRozan's game, what he's been doing to drive them. Very little of it is three-point shooting, like John said there. So you can make yourself a team identity-wise that de-emphasizes threes, emphasize them for the guys that can hit them, like get Tatum and Brown secondary looks from those spots, but drive and kick to Grant driving kick to Richardson, to Schroeder, swinging along the perimeter. That's just not a style you can play because you don't have the personnel. And they're, they're starting to figure that out a little bit, I think. Yeah, and, and to, John's <laughs> a little point about Chicago, to John's point about the, the Bulls, I mean, think about it. They're dead last in three-point attempts, and they take 30 a game. They take 30. They're the worst at, at launching threes, and they take 30 a game. So it has to be part of your package, but it doesn't have to be the damn entree. Yeah. It does not have to be the main course that you're serving up every night. Chicago Bulls are a great example of how you can still make it part of the meal, but it doesn't have to be the main course. Exactly, and that's They're it. A good team. They're a really good team. They're good. They man. are. And again, I think they're who you want to see, though, based on tonight. If you pick, I don't any know of how you can teams. come to that conclusion when you played them without Levine and Ball, man. I, you know, we were talking about it on the thread. I mean, this team can be so much more dynamic and explosive and athletic. They can, and, but you're you're the same and, kind of team. You play with them. You oh, play that side. I don't want to. If I'm seeing them, I'd see them second round or maybe conference finals. I don't. You don't see them out the gate. Well, who are you picking over them? Brooklyn, Milwaukee, Philly. Uh, I would take. I would. Philly, I would take over them. Brooklyn, you just you just never know what the hell you're going to deal with there. With Kyrie on the road and all that other kerfuffle. And B's uh, why I don't want to see Philly. Listen, DeRozan's a great player. If he's your best player, that's who I want to see on the other he's side. He's not your best man. player. He's not your best player. That's Zach Levine. Levine is your best player. Yeah. And he's, and, and, play and he's playing at a higher yeah. level than both Tatum and Brown, and he has been for over a year. So And they have a big man who can stretch the floor. And and big, he's, not a, he's not a defensive anchor. They have they have, no. four, they have four high-end talented They're a great players. team. But okay. listen, I'm not knocking Chicago. I'm saying they're not the Nets. That they lost. They went, went, gave up like a 40 to 9. The only run reason they they're not is because they're new. And they haven't fully arrived yet, but and and, because you're not used to them there yet, they might be. Maybe they don't do it this year. There's no, but they could. They don't have the kind of talent of those other teams, but I do believe that's what what it is. They're more of a team than those other teams. More of a team. I have more talent. These guys are more. I think this talent. More of a team. I think they have plenty of talent. You got a second round pick, the kid uh, Desamu, who's really good. They are no listen. you, this is the brutal position you're in when we talk about trying to win. You in the first round is the seven or eight seed because this is going to be a playing team. So you're the seven or eight seed. You're picking between Chicago and Brooklyn. And you look at those two teams when they're fully loaded and it's not even close. You step in their series against Brooklyn and you are not even sniffing a win. I think the Nets and the Bucks are on a different level, but I think the Chicago is much closer to that. Chicago's much Chicago's much closer to the top than they are to the middle of the pack. That's There's a chance Chicago's the only team you could get lucky against. Or at least compete for a longer stretch. Yeah, Miami of scares the hell out of me too. But I mean, again, you're pointing Miami, out what Chica- you're pointing out what Chicago has. I see some people saying in the chat, Chicago has no bench. The Celtics have no bench. Okay, guys. Yeah, so serious. like, well, you know what though? Here's the funny thing about Chicago's bench. Who just saw Chicago's bench? Yes, what are we talking about? Chicago's bench just took the Celtics to the brink of defeat. I know. That, that's that. Uh, their bench they is what we saw. 
And you're missing Javante Green, who's been good yeah. this year, as well as Derek Jones. So, yeah, they were brutally undermanned in we're this not even one. Talking, but, and don't forget about Caruso, who I, I think oh, is way, who's so and, and a really good defensive player who will annoy and that. So, yeah, yeah, and ball so ball is pretty good, too. They were missing five rotation guys in this Really, Who knows what lot. they do with uh, Patrick Williams, who they could trade. Exactly. Exactly. Another... With the wrist. Right. So... Very quickly, guys, I just want to give a heads up. Uh, uh, little programming note again. Patriots post game is going to be coming up shortly. It'll be on this channel after this show is over, but also over on Patriots Press Pass. So if you haven't subscribed, you want some Patriots content, head over there. Bill Belichick is at the podium now. They're really slow rolling this. It's been They've been really slow getting to the podium after this loss. Haven't heard from Bill and Mac, but Evan Lazar is in there covering the post-game press conferences. We will have uh, post-game on this channel right after, uh, you know, as soon as the interviews wrap up. My guess is another five or ten minutes or so. Uh, So that's all I wanted to say for that one. Celtics win the fourth quarter 30-29. to There you go. And the way that that started off, you didn't think that was going to (laughs) happen. Yeah, guys, I'm gonna boogie from I'm gonna boogie from this show. Uh, thanks for letting me uh, crash for a little bit. The Patriots are depressing the hell out of me. I gotta <laughs> rest rest the pipes up for some hardcore <laughs> Patriots bashing. That the chat oh, is gonna man. be uh, the chat's gonna be ugly. It's a tough season. I'm not ready for it. the The question for Patriots I'll ask is whether or not, and I'll ask anybody here who's watching who might join us later and something I'm going to talk about with Evan, whether or not any progress was made this year. Do you feel that this team's arrow is pointing up? I know they made the playoffs, but um, it's hard to feel good about uh, the way things went here, um, especially when you see the level of some of the other teams who are going to go far in the postseason and how far away you are from those teams. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but I'll let you guys continue the good vibes with the Celtics and their win. <laughs> You know what we're going to talk about, John? Good night, John. Now that I'm in charge, we're doing trades. We're going to talk a yeah. little trade deadline a couple you weeks can, you can You can Schroeder bash all you want. All right? No, yeah. I think, let's see, uh, let's I see think... your best Schroeder do. Now that I'm gone, you know, you, you, got, you guys can boogie. But I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'll talk to you guys later. All right, Enjoy, man. Have fun the rest of the show. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, John. Uh, yeah, fourth quarter, 130 offensive rating, 126 defensive rating. That's a, that's a good step for this group. Now, I... I'm I'm off this game. Good win. You needed it. It would have been a disastrous loss if they blew it. it it's still, and I I'm glad Shrey kind of talked to Brad a little bit before the game about what they're thinking here. And I'm I'm sure Brad didn't say too much. You know how Brad is, but I, I do wonder where his mind's at because something's got to change here in my mind, Sherrod. Like this mix isn't great. The shooting's brutal. Uh, they got to start to have some long term direction here in terms of sure, thinking. And yeah i mean i, I the, the one thing that that we, we talked about that we're kind of both on the same page with is that the way this team has played has added a different kind of wrinkle to the whole conversations you have with other teams about your players and, and their players because you know typically when a trade deadline is coming up you're either playing really well and you're just trying to tweak something here or there or your team sucks ass and you're just trying to just everyone who's on your roster is up for grabs. And then you've got the Celtics right now where they're in that middle of the pack where you have games like this where they look really great. And then you have other games where they look like trash. And so it's like 
do we need more time to develop the guys that we have or do I need to pull the trigger and get what I can for the assets I have? Brad is still processing all that. There, there's no doubt about that. You have uh, tax restrictions too to some degree. And, and, there's, and, it's, and that's the other thing too, Bobby, as you pointed out. I mean, there's, there's short-term gains, long-term gains, and then the financial gains. Mm-hmm. And all three of those things have this tendency to conspire against one another to where you're probably going to do something that is going to help in one or two of those those buckets but hurt you in another. And so he's he's still trying to figure out what direction to go because, again, this team, it's hard to figure out exactly what they need to do going forward because there's some things that they do well on some nights and some things they do not so well on other nights. It's just like they don't have an identity, and it makes it difficult to – figure out exactly what you need to do to improve the roster when you really don't know what the hell your roster can do consistently. So but let me ask you three questions, Joe Sway, and you can answer them quickly. You don't have to expect yeah, too much on all these, all right. but are you keeping Marcus smart? Are you keeping your picks? And are you keeping, let's say Richardson? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, it depends on how how, how big we're talking, right? Like the, a, a deal for a guy who's going to be a rotational player. Oh, forget can, forget Richardson, the young you guys. They're the third one. Well, I was going to say Richardson could be could be gone, or, or you, you you're going to see. Um, wait, who's the other guy you said before? Let's go smart picks and the young guys. Right, or it could be someone like Smart, who I think if that's the case, then it has to be a rotational player slash maybe a starter. I'm not quite sure the Celtics do that, though. I don't know. I'm not saying Smart is set in stone going to be with this team you know, for the next two or three years, but I, I don't know if they're going to jump the gun that quickly. So it'll be interesting to see. Like I, I, I think you'll see something that will – you'll see the Celtics part ways with one of these young guys. Like They have to start making those decisions now. And I think when you look forward – uh, you know, guys like Pritchard and Grant Williams, I think there's a good chance that those two guys are sort of part of the future, so to speak. But what about the other ones, you know, like Romeo and Neesmith? I think they have to make decisions on those guys. In terms of trading picks, I'm against that because the Celtics, they that that bag is getting smaller and smaller, and you just never know when you might need something, something like that for a bigger deal, for someone that could completely change your team. And you don't want to end up short in that kind of deal when you don't really have – the sexiest draft picks to begin with. So I would like to see them hold on to those. But um, trying to f- improve this roster by adding uh, a shooter or a 3 and D guy, I still think is it should be part of the plan for these, you know, going into the uh, the trade deadline. You know, not, not an all-star. It's a tricky so thing. It has to be a weapon that, that, that these guys can use. Otherwise, you might as well just pick from the waiver wire and, and keep it moving from there. I think that would be worst-case scenario. It, it, it'll be something very small if they don't extend themselves in some way and that's either smart. It could be Rob. I don't think, I think that's less and less likely the way his contract's set up and the way he's yeah, playing right now, Rob, frankly, stays, but yeah, but yeah, you start, if you, you want to keep smart, you want to keep the picks, you want to keep uh, Rob, like you start protecting more and more things here. That's a pretty straight path to nothing happening here. And, and they're already like, even if you did include smart and, you know, a pick and, like, I think Raw's probably becoming a bigger and bigger asset for you, but you're already at a disadvantage, I think, in this trade market because everybody's thinking Simmons, right, Sherrod? Like, that's where all the assets are kind of lining up. That's where the teams that are going to be active to me are looking. Yeah. 
But you know what, though? I mean, that, that, you're, you're right. That That's that's exactly where most teams are, are looking for, which is why if you're the Celtics, you don't go there because that's where everyone is at. I, I think if you're the Boston Celtics, you need to make a decision as to whether or not you're going to make a deal that's going to help you short-term right now or not so short-term like next season. I mean, one, one person I think that is, is certainly available uh, but probably can't help you now but might be able to help you next year with a more – team-friendly deal is a guy like T.J. Warren in Indiana who hasn't played this year. He's got the stress foot fracture, but his money and Marcus Smart's money, they align fairly close with one another. And T.J. Warren is a guy that he has a very clear and undeniable skill. That's where the tax comes into play, though. He's he's a free agent. Exactly. So, I mean, that's that's a guy that is in the last year of his deal, a guy that has a very clear skill set that you could use. And I think would be open to the idea of, of becoming a part of a team like, like the Boston Celtics. Uh, and, and you have the potential because he's in the last of his deal. Now the potential to maybe resign him for less next year, because again, he'll be trying to re up his value. He will be basically similar to Schroeder from the standpoint of he will be coming to Boston with hopes of playing well enough to get a bigger deal down the road. So you might be able to get him on a one year deal. I think you'd have to pay certainly more than you paid Schroeder, but he will be worth it. Uh, because, again, he's got such a great feel for scoring the ball. And as much as I thought he was an easy pass defensively for most of his time in the NBA, uh, I, I spent the last couple of weeks just kind of looking back a little bit closer at his numbers defensively. And he, he hasn't been that bad. And I talked to some people in Indiana about him. And, you know, they were trying to convince me last year or not the year before, but it was last year, that he wasn't as bad defensively as he had been characterized as being. And – I'm still a little bit indifferent about that. I still think he's not a very good defender, but he's such an elite scorer that you can kind of, he's to me in, in many ways, in many respects, he's like a better offensive version of Jabari Parker. Uh, well, someone who, who can score, but isn't the greatest defender in the world. Here's the tricky thing about him. Go ahead, Josue. No, no, no. I'm saying damn, because this guy is making noise. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, the tricky thing about him is the unrestricted free agency. You can, you're going to kind of need some wink-wink deal there that he's going to be involved long-term because you have to give up something for him, right? Like, Indiana likes him. Uh, he's a guy that they want to keep around. He's, frankly, in the athletics, said that he he's willing to stay there. He's not even looking to leave. So, potentially, if he does end up settling down in Boston, maybe that's a place that he looks to establish the rest of his career after well, that. Well, remember, Kimba Walker didn't want to leave Charlotte. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 they they knew, they knew exactly what it was going to take to keep him there in Charlotte, and they were just like, "No, we're good." Uh, I'm NBA, for it. I like the idea because he's a guy who, in the bubble, was what thirty points a game. Oh my god, he was so good, and it, it drove scary. me nuts because I was I was hoping he wouldn't be that good, so people would just kind of still sleep on him because he, he's a <laughs> he's such a I, I've been a big fan of his all, all the way back when he was at North Carolina State. Um, I like it, yeah, because it's under the radar. Yeah, well, and again, everyone is, is looking at Ben Simmons, and that that's that can be one of those like low key deals that you look back on, you know, two, three, four months after the deal, and be like, damn, that was a really smart deal, mm-hmm. you know. So. You want to get ahead on the crowd because there's guys everyone's talking about now, like Tyrese Halliburton and other breakout guys in the league now. Miles Bridges has become an amazing player. These are guys who a year or two ago, if you got ahead and were like, let's really take a stab at that guy and go all in and make an aggressive offer for him. You might've been able to get one of those guys just because 
they weren't stars yet. But you wait a little too long, and all of a sudden, DeJounte Murray, who everybody loves in the chat here, is untouchable, I think. I don't think there's an offer you yeah. can make San and Antonio. so is Jalen Brunson, especially, you know, <laughs> talking about names that are He's being getting there, too. Yeah. yeah. I think Dallas looks at Dallas offers for him and are like, we'll keep him. You yeah. know, like I teams like their own guys. You have to get into a pretty unique circumstance to really get a team off a guy. And you have to be pretty early and have some foresight. That's my question on Brad. Like, is he going to make some risky moves here? Is he going to play it safe and kind of keep everything together here? Which I think is the worst possible thing they can do. Because even at their height right now, they're seven or eight seed in the East. And you're going to play Brooklyn and Milwaukee and those type of teams every year round one. And even if you really reach your ceiling and catch a break there, you're not going anywhere. So you have to be pretty aggressive and have some foresight right now to change this roster. And I like an idea like Warren because he could be the third wing next to Brown and Tatum for years to come. The problem is you're going to give up smart for him. That's probably where you start. It would right? take that. Yeah. I mean, that's that's probably yeah. I mean, I think that's where you have to to look if you're the Celtics. Uh, and and again, it's it's a heavy price to pay, uh, because Marcus is such an important part of this team. But you've got to ch- you've got to do something different. You, you have to put chart. You have to get this team charting on a course that's different than the direction they're on now. And he, again, he's his contract is in that sweet spot where you could potentially move that and get something of decent value. Whereas, you know, uh, I don't think you're going to get a player with the kind of proven body of work that a Rob Williams has and the kind of upside that he provides if you were to trade him, unless you put some deal together and get some guy like Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis or someone like that. Then that's a different story altogether. But players in their early to mid-20s with his type of potential, teams aren't trading those guys. Yeah, the tricky spot you're in, too, is if Smart's really the guy you're going to look to move. You kind of see the last night or two here how much they miss him as a point guard, as a defensive organizer, and that's tough Absolutely. to replace if you give him up for a wing. You need shooting. You need another wing right now, but you also need a point guard. So needing those two things kind of puts you in a tough spot here. I know you like Buddy Heald. No, I was play. just about to say, go you know when it comes to shooting, which guy I like for this team. I'm very, very, very interested in what Sacramento. Like that's the type of do. guy who the Kings will say, "Okay, we, we'll we'll part ways with this guy for for less than we would two years ago." You know what I mean? Someone who's been in the league for a bit, and the Kings are sort of stuck right now and trying to restructure this roster, and they're gonna they're gonna be willing to sell someone like Buddy Hill for a, a lower price than than they would have a couple of years ago. Like I said, you know. So I sent the group a, a trade that I think makes perfect sense. Uh, I think it's Heald, Barnes, Fox for Simmons and Harris. Now that Harris, Philly's looking to move Harris too. That's kind of the slam dunk move, I think, for Philly at this point in terms of what's out there to hold the line because they could end up moving Fox later if they need to for Lillard or whatever they got to do there if they want to make a second move off of that. So I think that's a move that makes a ton of sense for both teams. But if Philly keeps Simmons and they don't view that as enough and Sacramento strikes out there, I'm interested if you could pick off heal the barns for something cheap you know they're they're big yeah. big contract that team's salary is huge and they're a 10 seed they can probably keep competing with that guy uh chimsey matu he's kind of their breakout guy on the wing right That's now right. So, yeah, yeah. so you know could you just take healed salary here the tricky thing is is you're kind of tax restricted right now and i know uh Sherrod's gonna move on and uh, do some other things there at the garden appreciate his time but i yeah, i more you know, and more i go ahead 
No, I was just going to say, you know, he sort of falls in that same category like Sherrod was talking about, right? Because Undervalued? Contract, yeah, well, undervalued. And, you know, with, with the last year of that contract, he's making $18 million, which is in, you know, for the 23-24 uh, season. So you've got a couple of years to, short, to sort of try to make this thing work. And you've got someone that can spread the floor. You know, uh, he can also defend a bit. I, I don't know what these comments are talking about. Talking about 40, man. My man's not even 30 yet. He's 27 years old or He's turning 28, rather, but, you know, he's on the, like, I, th- I think I said that, what, a month he ago? He feels right- so old, though, Joe Sway, doesn't he's he? He's <laughs> on the right side of 30, okay? It's not bad. And, and again, he he checks the, he checks that box of being a consistent threat from outside. Yeah, I know he's having a bit of a down year, but that falls into Celtics' favor. You know, that's how they essentially land, landed a, a 3 and D guy like, like Josh Richardson, in my opinion, right? I mean, if Josh Richardson was who he was a couple of years ago or if he had maintained somewhere near that, I, I'm not quite sure the Celtics – would be able to, uh, to to sign him because there would be other suitors out there, you know? So, so and look what he's been able to do, right? He's having a, a career year from behind the three-point arc, which is something that the Celtics were hoping would happen. Maybe and something he, similar happens with someone like Buddy Heald who hasn't been able to sort of prove himself on that stage yet, right? That postseason stage. And granted, the Celtics may not be going so far in that stage this season, but he could be a, a vital piece for your near future for the next couple of seasons. If they just swap out some of the young guys on the roster, I'm okay with that because it's doing something. It's a forward-thinking well, move. I don't know if you remember my package deal, but, like, you know, this is – again, this will be – it's not a slam dunk. You know, this, this, the Kings will have to, you know, weigh out their options here. But And I know earlier I talked about I wouldn't like to see the Celtics trade uh, picks, but for this deal, this is this is the exception. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I don't have Marcus in it. And, again, it, it's a tough sell. But 100%. Would... You can't trade smart for a guy like that. Right, you can't. But but the sell on this on, on this trade is one, uh, the 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 future first. It would be two, someone like Aaron Neesmith, who they could sort of, you know, they're not completely committed. And they to like him, Neesmith. They have a year that. to work with him, and they like Neesmith. He can be sort of that Buddy Hield ish player that could replace, you know, who Buddy Hield was, I guess, you know, four or five years ago. And then you have, you know, uh, Richardson and and, and Juan. Um, um, Juancho, Gomez. Vernon Gomez, just to just to make contract match. But look, if you're the Kings. That all that money will clear after next season, so you're not going to be big players this upcoming summer. But you know, next summer, you're 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 a big player. You have a, a couple of guys that you can decide whether you want to keep them or not, and you have a future first round pick. I mean, for someone like Buddy Hield right now in the stage of his career, that's not a terrible trade off, especially when you still have other pieces that you could sell off or keep part of your future in uh in De'Aaron Fox and and and, and Barnes and Harrison Barnes. Yeah, and I, I think he's attainable. You know, it's big money over the next couple of years. He is pushing 30. They got to shake it up there. I'm not sure Neesmith, Romeo, and Wancho, let's say, gets it done. You throw a first in there, maybe they start thinking about it a little more. But it is the right idea, I think. Stack the salaries, send out as many guys. Wancho, I think, is the centerpiece of this. And try to consolidate part of your roster into a guy you can actually use there. Because think of this bench right now, Joe Sway. They have, like... 10 guys they just don't use right. so try to consolidate some of that money because Wancho's disappearing after this year you got to take advantage of that now uh you you certainly have a guy like Richardson who could help out in some sort of deal like you have a lot of uh salary flexibility right now I was talking to someone about this on Twitter they don't have great value contracts like they don't have players that teams really want but they can make a lot of different kind of deals just based on the fact that they have their own pick and they have so many salaries you can stack. So you can very easily, if you go to the trade machine, just stack up money and match healed. And that might be all it takes if the <laughs> Kings exactly... are just looking to get off that deal. 
Yeah, that, that, that's what that's what got uh, Herning Gomez into this deal. Yeah. So that's <laughs> that's what you got to look to do if you're Brad at this deadline. That's how you improve your team. I don't think you can give up Smart for a wing. You just you lose so much at point guard and on yeah, defense. Yeah, no, I wouldn't. It's just especially someone like Hield. You wouldn't. No, that's a that's a huge gamble. And even Grant, who I love, Harrison Barnes, who I love. I'm not sending out Smart for those guys because then you're just I think screwed at point guard. You can hold the line with Schroeder for a year, but when he leaves, you're really in trouble there. So Smart, I think for now, unless there's a big big deal that you have a chance to do that brings in like a third star and you send out all your future picks or whatever it is, that's where I think Smart gets involved. In terms of just, like, improving the edges of the roster, unless you find, like, a young point guard like Brunson, someone we've talked about, that you can swap Smart out for, a little bit more of an offensive mindset than a defensive one, that's where you maybe trade Smart to. But I know a lot of people want to see Smart gone. you got to be smart with it, because, listen, he's not the most valuable guy in the world, but he's pretty valuable to you still, and just dumping him doesn't solve anything. A lot of people are like, get rid of Smart. I think you have to get something back for him. That's always my my clapback. For who? When you have someone in mind, and it works out, and you can go through it, you know, and and find out the details and make sure that it it clears and approves on the trade machine, then we can talk. But, yeah, you know, Bobby, that's a good point. Like, no one is giving me a, a, a realistic option, I should say, because people people have given me some ridiculous options, with, which they don't even take seriously, and then they always they always end it with, I don't know, just get rid of them, and I'm like, well, that, what kind of business is that? You know, <laughs> like that's not all right. Patriots, Patriots press pass starting right now. The post game show on that disaster in Buffalo. I got a graphic here somewhere. They're getting on board. So I'm not even gonna bring it up. You know, go CLNS Media. Patriots. I'm tuning in on my pass. way home. It's going to be good. Evan Lazar is going live with John Zanish right now. So bring your Patriots gripes over there. We are back on Monday for a 1230 game. Keep that in mind right. on MLK Day. It's a 1230 tip-off, Pelicans and Celtics. I'm Bobby Manning. He's Joe Sway Pavone. We will see you then.